0: because i always want to do something that would make people, you know, look like you're crazy. Make it funky. Just another kind of freeform rock and roll, make you feel so solo maybe want to tap your toe. Just another kind of freeform rock and roll, make you feel so solo maybe want to tap your toe. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Woo.
1: Welcome back to PolkCast, Polk States Podcast. I'm your host Madison Fantozy and I'm your co-host Leo Bartholomew. <laughs> We're here today with John Finn. Um, Most people know him for his mentorship and his passion for advising Polk State students. He has served as an academic advisor and works with TRIO Student Support Services to provide resources to underrepresented students. Most recently, he has developed Polk State's Louis Stokes Alliances for Minority Participation Program, which is better known as LSAMP here on campus. Um, And it is part of the Central Florida STEM Alliance. That's a National Science Foundation partnership under LSAMP. And so the goal is to broaden participation of underrepresented minorities in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Um, But some people might not know that Finn is also a collector of African masks and cloths, and he's exhibited his pieces here at Polk State in the art galleries. Um, but you guys might not also not know that he makes his own pieces, um, specifically hats and fascinators. Um, so, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here today. Thank you. So, you brought some of your hats here today. Um, what do you think about that, Leah? Which one's your favorite? Oh
2: my gosh, there's awesome. they're awesome. They're really awesome. There's five hats on display with five mannequin heads, which they all have names. Am yeah, I correct?
1: Tell us, tell us their names.
0: I have Shakisha, I have Karen, I have Dot, I have um, Twinny, and I also have Stacy.
2: That is awesome.
1: Do they each kind of have their own style? Is there a specific hat that goes with each of their personalities?
0: Not really, but we just laugh about it. Like, like my um, family and I, would just laugh about it. Like, we would just put one on. I remember one of the times shakisha's neck got broken because you know my little nephew was playing with a mannequin and it got broken so we had to bandage her neck and you know things like so we just give them names
2: shakisha has a little glue
0: (laughs) a little glue on it
2: oh that's funny yeah they're really great there's like there's i don't want to say ribbons but they're oh they're beautiful one sort of like a top hat sort of fashion another has some feathers and They're all very unique and different, like, shapes and
0: sizes. They're really neat.
1: Lots of orange and pink. Is that for summer?
0: Yeah, it's for summer. Summer is more like orange, you know, the pastel color, like the orange, the um, lilacs, the um, cretia, like, cerise, which is another color. It's more like a reddish, um, this thing. And the blushes and stuff like that, those are the colors for the summer.
1: Really cool. So tell us how you got into the art of making hats.
0: The um, millinery is something I've, like, I've always been fascinated about hats because my mom is an avid hat wearer. As a kid, she used to wear hats to um, functions. She did a lot of, she went to a lot of weddings. Um, We did not understand how we, in school, some of our friends would be like, I've never been to a wedding. And I'm like, how come you've not been to a wedding? Because we used to go to weddings almost every Saturday, like in the summer. My mom would get invites for weddings and she would not repeat a hat. So we were, like, for Mother's Day, for Christmas and stuff, we are buying our hats. And in London, um, the places that you could buy hats that was really um, nice was, like, John Lowe's or Debenhams, and they were expensive. So as I was growing up, in my teen years, I used to walk, like, the malls and stuff and just look at these hats at the windows and just was so fascinated with the mannequins with the hats on. And i just keep looking and just keep looking, just keep looking, And I said, you know what, I'm gonna start making hats. So what I did was I just got books and started reading on hat making. And if I go to the library, I'll do my schoolwork and then I'll just take a book on millinery and just be reading and look at the pictures and do some sketches and stuff. So in 1998, um, I think that was just after I finished um, my undergrad and um, my next door neighbor was having a wedding. And my mom was like, I have to go to this wedding and have to look like I want to dress more than the, um, the bride's um, mom. <laughs> so I was like, what are you going to do? You know, and she said she needs to get a big hat. I said, OK, I'm going to do my first hat for you then. So I worked. I read about it and I got this. Um, it was a lilac hat and it had all these feathers around the hat. And when we, my mom wore that hat, it was like out of this world. She just came out of the car and people thought she was the, um, the groom's mom actually, and she was like, no, (laughs) she's not, you know, but she was, she was, because she was, like, really invited, because we're close to um, the groom, we're going to sit at the very front, so she walked up there, and ever since that time, it gave me the confidence to do um, more hats, I said, oh, I did it, and I don't, I've not even been trained, so I just thought, okay, that's cool, I can do a next hat, and then I started working with her, like, doing different hats for her.
2: That is great. Uh, Does she still have your very first hat?
0: She does. She does, yeah. She has, she has a whole bunch of hats. Like, she has a closet of hats. And most of the time, her friends and family members, would, when they're going to events, would go to a house to pick up a hat. Oh, even thanks. when she's not there. You know, they'll be like, okay, can we go in and can we ask the house this thing to help to open your closet so we can pick up a hat? And she'd be like, okay, send me the picture, let me see which one you picked up and bring it back after. So
2: she can mark it down <laughs> in her inventory. Mark it down
0: that, yeah, this is this was taken by his back. Yeah. So she has lots of hats.
1: How many hats have you made in your time since you've been making hats?
0: I was thinking of it on the way here and I said, you know, I can't even count because I have made so many hats. I'll probably say over a thousand. Wow. Whoa. Yes, because I did um in two thousand and sixteen, fifteen, I actually did a show in um, Greensboro, um, North Carolina, which was um, a church event, and which is called cool, JC, um, Church of Our Lord Jesus Christ, and they had an event. And I took like 17 boxes of hats, U-Haul boxes, so you see the height, like the shipping boxes, had 17 boxes of that shipped to um, Greensboro. Wow. Each of them had probably about 20 pieces in it. So that was a lot of hats. And I was just thinking about that. And then I, I was looking at 2016, and I did one in Orlando and Southern Women's Show. And so I'm like, I've lost count of it. Actually, when I look at some of our pictures, I'm like, oh, I made this years ago. I've forgotten about this hat, you know? So it just, you just make, you keep making it all the time. That's great. Yeah.
1: What inspires the look of your hats?
0: My hats are very heavily British inspired. Um, you know, London is the, um, they wear hats. Like, basically, they, they make the pomp and glory look like out of this world. And we've all seen it with the royal weddings that came out um, in 2011 and this one that came up recently, Meghan Merkel. So, uh, Markle, so that was like, they, they wear hats and now they turned it into more like the fascinators. And it's easier to make the fascinators, very easy to make fascinators. And so... Um, fascinators is just ideas, what you can put together that will look real fancy, that will look like out of this world. You want to go there with a showstopper. You want to go there and everybody's looking at you. I remember one of the times my, my mom, my sisters, and I have twin sisters and went to a friend's wedding in Delaware. So she just, um, we walked in there, like we drove and they were taking your car from you, like valet parking and everything. So we just got out of the car and they all had hats. But my sister that was driving had a had, that was like out of this world with feathers and everything. The moment she got out of the car, the valet came and the comments were just all over. And they were just, you know, and I was like, what is going on? And the groom was standing at the top of the, um, this day was laughing, saying that, oh my goodness, these are friends. These are not even part of the bridal part, you know, because they talk, <laughs> and they were just taking pictures all over. And we have so many of those pictures. So I just said, you know, a hat makes a big difference. If you put on a hat now, all heads will start turning just because you're wearing a hat. Right. But if everybody walks around in the same kind of clothes and they look at you and be like, "Okay, just another person," but a hat, I think that's why we always say we make showstopper pieces, where you actually stop and look at you and say, "Okay, this is this is nice."
1: Tell us about the process of making a hat and from start to finish. What materials do you use and things like that?
0: The different types of hats that um, we make. Um, my, the summer hats are easier to make Because the summer hats are usually made with um, either banana, straw, cinamé The pieces that you've seen here are all made with cinamé Because these are summer hats And cinamé is, um, is like originally from um, the Philippines So we get that fabric from the Philippines It's very malleable It's easy to um, you know use and bend and everything And some of them are stiffened, others are not stiffened But, like, to make the large hat over there, like that one over there, that particular hat, a friend of mine um, is going to use it for um, a function next week. And she wanted me to do the similar hat that Oprah wore at the Royal Wedding by Stella McCartney. So this is a complete replica of that hat. Oh, neat. What um, you start with, first you have to have your hat blocks. Hat blocks are really expensive. Yeah. Yeah. The hat blocks are expensive they run you anything from like 325 pounds which is like 500 dollars for a block and um so first you have to have your hard blocks you cover the hard blocks with cling fill or foil aluminium foil then you get your material um the cinnamon material you usually cut them on the bias and um, cutting on the bias means you, you cut it at an angle like a 90 degree angle that it can be flexible to move and you some people will do it like one layer or two layers I usually do three layers of the cinnamon to make it very um, durable. And then you put it in um, lukewarm water. And if it's stiffened, you already have it stiffened. You can still put a little bit of um, glue. You take one, um, for every one part of glue, you put four parts of water. And then you put in the water, and then you mix it up. Put the um, cinnamon in. Then you pull it over the block. And then you pin them. Pinning is another, is, is a tedious job. Like you pin the hat, into the shape of the block. Um, if I'm in a rush, I'll just get a um, hairdryer and start blowing it over the material so that it dries quickly. If I'm not in a rush, I'll just leave it. So most of the times, I'll have hats, um, um, hats that have been blocked sitting in my area where I work and just leave them over there for a couple of days to dry. Then I'll take out the pins, I'll get an iron, and iron the hat off of the block, and I'll remove it. Once you take it off the block, you're going to um, usually that would be maybe the crown. A hat has a crown and a brim, so you do the brim and then you do the crown as well. And then you have to put um, millinery wire around the base of the hat to give it that shape, for the shape to stay in shape. But usually, when you take it off the block, it's already in the shape, and um, you put the wire on, and then you join the brim to um, um, you join the the crown to the brim. And after that, you sew that. Sometimes I hand stitch most of my hats. Wow. I just sit down and hand stitch them. But you can use a sewing machine. I have a sewing machine that I use as well. Mm-hmm. And after that is done, I'll just um, leave it for a little bit. Put a wire the um, the brim. your know, other the crown. You should put like a ribbon, you know, around it so that you don't have any grease or anything like snow. so. You put that on, and then I'll have I'll decide on what I'm going to decorate it with. What you're going to adorn it with? It could be flowers. I usually make my own flowers as well. Wow. Um, I make my hand flowers, and it could be feathers. It could be carp Um, it could be um, feathers. It could be um different types of things that you want to. Um, people do like crazy hats. Um, you could do a hat and decide I'm going to put matchboxes on the hat. I'm going to put like um, beds or something. You know, you could do different things. It's really for royal Ascot and for um the horse racing derby, and uh, you can do those crazy stuff. But for weddings and stuff, you can you're doing more like what I have done here with a feathers. So after that you just decorate. And this can be done just like I said, you can actually do a hat within a day. If you if somebody wants a hat, I can do it within a day for you. Usually I'll just block my hats and leave them and when it's ready I'll just take my time and do it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: What's your favorite part? Is it making like forming the shape of the hat or do you like the decorating part where you actually get to put interesting your Actually,
0: I, um, I like both of them in a way because when you block the hat and it comes out and you see like this just simple material that you pulled over and all of a sudden it's got this shape and you start putting it to the crown to the brim, you know, and you start putting it together, you see, oh, it's coming out now, it's shaping up, you know. Yeah. But I love the favorite part is decorating. Yeah. Because you, you, you can, most of the time, the final product would have turned it around several times. Because you might put a flower here. Oh, this doesn't look good. Let me put it here. You know, you keep 10 things around. But I love the decorating. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, you mentioned some crazy hats that you've made. What would you say is the craziest, most outlandish show shop stopping one that you've made?
0: Actually, I did one I did one for my sister, one of our twin sisters, and a sister of mine had a wedding on the thirtieth of um um December um two thousand and sixteen. And because they have worn all these different hats, we're like, what are we going to do to, because people are going to look at us and they know I make hats and what's it going to be like? So um, she said, John, I just want this crazy hat with all these feathers and everything in there, every color. I said, how am I going to put every, she said, I just want this rainbow of colors. <laughs> so I made this, it was a red base. It was like a fascinator, but it was a red base and it had different feathers at different angles. And when the wedding was at St. Paul's here in Winterhaven, And when she got out of the car, there was a guy that was driving and stopped because the twins were walking together. And the other one had also a very nice big bowler hat with feathers as well. And the guy stopped them and said, if I don't take a picture of this hat and show it to my wife and just say to her, she'll send me back to the church to take a picture of you guys. (laughs) So... She, um, they took that picture and that was one of the favorite hats. And it went on Facebook, and people were like, Oh my goodness, John, what is this? That's you great. Know? So, I've done some pieces. There's so many hats that are my favorite. So many hats, but I think one of the, the hats that I really like, apart from that particular showstopper, there's so many other showstoppers that I've done. But I love making hats for my mom because she wears it real well. Yeah, she does. She wears it real, real well. So, she, she never makes a mistake when she wears a hat. That's awesome.
2: Did that start for her when she was young?
0: Yes. Because, you know, she grew up in an era where going to church, you had to cover your hair. And so to cover your hair, it was either people use scarves, but people were like middle class would wear the hats, the bonnets, and, you know, little things like that. So she's always worn hats as she was growing up because every Sunday you had to cover your hair. And so to cover your hair, you had, you go to church and, you know... Convent school and all that kind of thing, so she had to always um have something on her hair, and I think that is what inspired her, and that's what inspired us as well to do it.
1: Do you sell your hats? How do people get a hat from you?
0: Um, I used to have like I um I have a website, but it's under construction now, because I was just I didn't have time most of the time to do these hats. Sometimes you get busy, but people always have, um would either email me and say, okay, John, I want a hat. Um, I'll be like, okay, let me send you a couple of pictures of ones that I made. And usually when I make a collection, every year I make two different collections. I'll make a spring-summer collection, and I'll make a fall collection. The fall collection is usually the felt and the um, fabric, um, you know, things. And then um, I'll put it on Facebook. So through Facebook, people will be just calling me, oh, can I get this hat in different colors, you know? So that's the way I do it. And I do sell some of the hats, too. But I do go for um, hot shows. Like, I'll go for um, the Southern Woman Show. They do one in Orlando every September or October. I'll, I'll go for that. Um, the church events that I go to, I go for Cool JC, which is the biggest one. It's like you have thousands and thousands of people. And you start vending, like, 7 o'clock in the morning because they have events all the way to, like, 11 so literally, you'd be there the whole time. And the coolest thing is, sometimes you're sitting down and you're still making hats. Wow. Yeah, that's you sit funny. down and you make hats. And, and that's what, I think that's what intrigued them about me. Because the first time I went, I was like, how am I going to go? People have been going for years. And then I get there, and there are all these hat vendors. And I'm like, well, what's, what's going to happen here? You know, yeah. I've never been. And, and these ladies were walking, and they were like, oh, my goodness, this is the Nima Marcus of... This um, of this event and I was like what are you talking about you know because they were labeling people like okay this is Walmart this is Macy's yeah. this and I was like really instead your hats are different because it's not got a lot of the blame. the American hats got a lot of blame. I do that sometimes yeah. but I don't do it that often because I want to still keep to my own style right and just educate people on my style but I think that um the weddings that have come up in the magazines with the British staff has already influenced people in New York and in um, Washington DC. It's easier to sell my hats. Florida, there's a lot more education that has to be done Yeah. because they like summer hats, like they like you know casual hats. and be like, "Oh, I can buy this hat from Dollar Tree for a dollar and put a one dollar flower on it." Or no, a that's sun not yeah, a sun hat, you know. But that's not how it works. Millinery work is like detailed work that somebody has done. Putting a hat on your head as a milliner is like, people would die for that. The person that made the hat actually puts the hat on your head. It's like a big thing. You, you wouldn't even get them to do it for you. Wow. Yeah. If you go into the shops, like I have people that inspire me, like Siggy of London, um, Nigel Raymond. These are all milliners. And when you go into the shop, you don't even see them. You would just see the um, sales assistants that would put that on your head. But if they walk out of the place to put a hat on your head, you just be like, I went to heaven and came back. <laughs> <You know? Wow. laughs> That's so interesting. It is, yeah.
2: So you grew up in England?
0: Yeah, in Africa and in England. Okay. Yeah, I stayed in London for so many years and then I lived in Africa, went to school in Ghana as well. And Ghana is also a hat-making place. They, they don't make the hats, they wear hats. They wear hats more than, they just like the UK because it's a British colony. Okay. So they wear lots of hats like that's another you know if i if i was to go back and live there i'll be making a killing yeah <laughs> because they wear hats for everything you know so <laughs> that that and, and just like the caribbean as well like the islands and they still wear the hats Um america's gone off a little bit but in new york and in um washington dc california stuff the first state is a big thing it's really the furthest
2: So in traveling to all those and living in those places, do you think that that has sort of in any way changed your style of hat making? Or have you kind of always had this core, this is my style? and and
0: No, it's changed a little bit. Yeah. Because I still, you know, like on one of the pieces there, I have a brooch on it. Yeah. Which is an American thing. You know, like with a bling. So I have that on. Like the 20s American. So I still try to incorporate that, I don't want to be so rigid because you're still looking at a clientele, a group of people that are going to buy your hats. Mm-hmm. You know, I still have people that would call me, that I make, I have a lot of my friends that we grew up with in Ghana, in the UK, that are living in the States now. And they would wear the old British hats, the things that we make. And, but I have new friends here. Like in, when I was in New York, I had a church that I used to attend, Highland Church. And I had these ladies that would sit in the front row, where the prayer warriors and I made one hat for one lady, and all of a sudden, all of them were buying hats for me. So I used to walk to church every Sunday, carrying bags, hat (laughs) boxes, and the pastor was like, oh my goodness, all of a sudden now all these ladies in the front row are wearing hats. That's hilarious. So it it, it happens, and so it was heavily influenced by me. Could you say
2: it (laughs) hat-pins?
0: So um basically I think it's influenced me a bit. Like wherever I go, I try to incorporate what they need. Like like I, I still stick to my um heavily British influence, but I'll still um add a little bit of um attach here, put a little bit of bling. I don't do the heavy bling, but I'll put a bling for you if you want it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'll put I'll throw a bling in there if you need it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I would.
1: <laughs> That's great. Thank well, you. Before you go, tell us about LSAMP and how students can get involved.
0: LSAMP is an initiative, just like you said earlier on, um, it's um, um, an initiative for Central Florida Alliance um, for minorities to participate in um, STEM, because that is one area where it's only about 5% of um, minorities that usually would graduate to the baccalaureate degree in STEM, science, technology, engineering, or math. One of the biggest challenges for them is not being interested in mathematics or not having an interest or the fear, the phobia of mathematics is one of the major things. So LSAM, Louis Stokes Alliance Minority Participation, Louis Stokes was actually a congressman that brought about that initiative. So this is like nationwide. And so um, Central Florida Alliance is made up of Valencia um, and Lake Samta and Polk State. So what we're trying to do is to get students involved, bring their awareness onto the campus let them um go towards that route, and one of the initiatives that we did, uh, we did was to do a summer STEM institute for this summer to recruit incoming freshmen that are coming in. We're lucky to have about twenty students. The maximum students we're going to have was twenty four. We had twenty students that came in, excellent, and they um were so engaged and they did a great job. So those students are going to be in the fall, and um we will just work with them for their two years. First of all, to get them on the right pathways. To, um, most of them have, were coming in to do maybe psychology. Now we're like, oh, I want to do biology. I want to do environmental science. Um, in the course of the LSAM, what LSAM does is we bring people to come and talk to about the different careers in science, technology, engineering, and maths. They go for conferences. They go for workshops. They would, um be involved in different activities that um stem around um, stem. You know, it just and that would make, bring that awareness. And once they graduate. They go on to a four year institution. There's um, US, UCF, USF, they also have LSAM over there. So, most of them that go there, they will just continue in the LSAM. It goes, the initiative is all the way to the PhD level. Wow. And the good thing about the students is you can graduate as a scholar. And to, be, to graduate as a scholar, you're going to have to do a couple of things like research, which is very, um, it gives them a plus because most undergraduate students don't do research. The thing is that research is like a master's level thing. But LSM will give you the opportunity to do that. So they do research. They do um, lab assistantship. um, You have your portfolio done, what we call an e-portfolio. We connect you to LinkedIn. The different jobs, your resume will be done. Um, You have the opportunity to have a faculty mentor. And we'll also have the opportunity to be a peer mentor to others that are coming in. And all this that they're doing, if you're a scholar, you get paid for doing that. So that's a good way for students. You're getting paid and doing something that's going to build your career as well. So I think also um, the awareness has already been ingrained here at Polk State because we currently have over almost like 130 students that are participating. Wow. So. But, yeah. And we're still recruiting students. The main thing is to get them to become scholars because we need to get 55 scholars within a space of three years. And um, to be a scholar, you have to work consistently for two years. Currently, we have seven scholars that are working now, and um, in the fall, we're going to add another eight to them. So that's going to be fifteen. So I want to hit my goal of the fifty-five even within the second year of this program running, even though that is supposed to be on the third year. But we want to do it like quick. Excellent. And bringing more people.
2: That's so, so great. You're yeah. so, like, passionate about it. And you're such, like, a personable person, like, someone that you can approach and talk to. And that must be really – you, You like, work so well with the kids. With That's kids, awesome. Yeah. Or students, I, love, I should I love say. I
0: students. Like, I just – I tell them all the time. I said, my goal here, whether I'm in the classroom teaching because I'm involved, heavily involved with festive experience as well, whether I'm teaching or I'm advising you or I'm just, like, meeting in the hallway – I want to bring the potential that is in you, that hidden potential. I want to bring it out and I want to see you use that potential. I always tell my students and I think that has made a great impact on them because they really um, open up and talk. Like even during the summer STEM Institute, there was one girl that was very quiet. But by the third day, she was so engaged with students and everyone was like, how did she? Because I used to say to her, you need to talk, I can't hear you. And I'll be standing close to her and I'll be like, I still can't hear you, you know. And so she started talking. And she did a phenomenal presentation for her poster presentation when she did that. And I was standing aside and watching her and she was just speaking. And I was like, oh, is a 360 degree, turn around. So those are the things that make me happy. Yeah. Just to see the student doing something that is like out of this world.
1: That's really amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. Have any of your students seen your hats?
0: Yes, a couple of them have. What do they think? Oh, they, they just think I'm crazy. <laughs> they can't believe it. They, they just, they, they, they were shocked because um, in, when I used to teach business, introduction to business, we, we talk about entrepreneurship and stuff. So I, was, I always tell them, I said, do you really know that you can have your own business? And being in this class, we used to do, um, the, uh, as a business major, um, you have to do a business plan. So, I used to tell them, I said, Your business plan has to be something that is your passion, something that you want to develop when you leave here. So, we're going to work your business plan the whole time through. And they said, But, Mr. Finn, do you have a business? And I said, Yes, I do have a business. So, I opened up the website to them, and they were just like speechless. They couldn't believe it. Because <laughs> so there were these, there were a stream of hats, you know. And I said, No, you're not going to go on the website and start looking at stuff. But they just liked everything. And they were very surprised that. Like, all the things that I do, what time do you have to do these ads? Right. But I tell people, I said, as a millner, the best time to work is late at night. When it's quiet, peaceful, then you start making your designs. You just sit down. And it happens most of the time. My family would go to bed, and I'll be sitting down, and they'll be like, oh, you just cut the material. What are you going to do next? I said, when you wake up, you see it. So when they wake up in the morning, they go and look at it. They're like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, he did it. Mm-hmm. And you know, so that that's that, and that's a nice thing about it because I think that's the time that you get things done very well. You don't want no um, people bothering you. You you're just like, want to sit quietly and just do what you have to do.
2: You're like the Santa of hats. <laughs> Happens at night. You, at wake, night, up, it, you wake up. And it's there. It's there. And I
0: love that. Actually, that's what I like to do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's awesome.
0: Well, thank, right. you, so thank you so much for coming in
2: for today. That's been really, really awesome.
0: Yeah, it's also awesome, been you. awesome talking to you guys and. Thank you. Have a polk day. You too. Just another kind of free-form rock and roll. Make a goofy solo, maybe want to tap a toe. Just another kind of free-form rock and roll. Make a goofy solo, maybe you want to tap a toe. yeah. yeah.
1: yeah.